Hello, 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 and welcome back to the conversation piece with your host, Akila. Movies don't help either, so. <laughs> yeah, movies are great stereotypical uh, presentations. Yeah, me and my friend, we were just we were just watched um Twenty One Bridges last night. It was like it was about corrupt uh-huh. corrupt cops and like, I mean there are good ones and there are bad ones, but it was I mean of course Hollywood dramatizes everything, but. Well, and then people see people see that more than anything, right? Mm-hmm. So they they see they see that on TV or a movie, and then they see the news stories of real life <clears throat> and so many so many people don't have any other interaction with law enforcement i mean they aren't they aren't getting pulled over they aren't committing crimes so they don't or and they just don't really interact with with law enforcement so you know of course you're going to start to build a certain perception based on what you see mm-hmm. and if what you see is a movie that shows it this way and you think, oh, okay, art imitates life, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that must be what it must be like. And then you just, so you're going, oh my God, it's horrible. I mean, I, and I work, you know, work, work with so many officers around the country and it's like, yeah, I talk to them and they're, and they're just like, yeah, they're frustrated by the one. What cracks me up is how, you know, people go, well, you need to just get them fired. And it's like, man, do you know how hard it is to fire some of these, especially when you're talking about like New York, New Jersey, the East Coast? As strong as those unions are, you know, these officers don't want to work with these bad officers. They don't want to be around them, but they're like, yeah, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And it's just that, that level of frustration that's like, God. The Breonna Taylor killing, those officers committed murder. Now, it wasn't premeditated, but everything they did, it was negligent. It was negligent. If nothing else, manslaughter. Because their actions, absolutely preventable. That situation should not have gone that way. Not only did it not have to go that way, it should not have gone that way. And and their their decision making and the way they did things and their excuses and their their lies and their cover ups, criminal. Yeah. Absolutely criminal. And so, you know, and the people are like, oh wow, you would say that I mean, yes, because I don't support that type of policing. I don't support that behavior. Right. It's criminal. Hey, hey you, yeah I'm talking to you. Do you have Spotify? If so, turn on the notification button. Most states have a knock and announce requirement for uh, warrants. So you have to, you know, you go up to the door, because you demand the entry into somebody's house, right? Yeah. And that's covered under the Fourth Amendment, search and seizure. And also the um, Third Amendment with uh, quartering of, of soldiers in peacetime. So um, you're coming up to the house, and you have to knock and announce your presence. And you have to demand entry and state under what authority you demand entry. So there's some components to that. And then you must give the person inside a certain amount of time to come answer the door and allow you entry before you force entry. What a no-knock warrant does is that removes that time requirement that that you must wait 
to allow to be, uh, you know, that you have to wait for uh, to be allowed entry into the house. So, but we have a, a principle that I teach that the suspect's always in a position to tactical advantage. So, in that, so that would violate that because you're saying, hey, the suspect's always going to know we're coming or whatever. So we have to do other things to motivate them to give up, not try to beat them to a gun as it were, right? Which is what they're trying to say when they do a no-knock. Well, we got to bust the door down and run in and stop them from grabbing the gun. So what do we tell people to do? We tell people, oh, you should protect yourselves, right? And so how do you do that? Well, in the U.S., you get a gun and you protect yourself. And so now we have our citizens, um, and this happened to a Tatiana Jefferson in, in Texas. So, so we get, tell our citizens to arm themselves, and then we as law enforcement show up to their houses in the middle of the night, and then we, we, we don't allow them to be scared and in fear for their lives. And so when we do no-knock warrants, the police know that they're serving a warrant. When does the suspect know that you're serving a warrant, typically? So you've spent how many hours or even days preparing to serve a warrant on this house, and now this suspect, you're giving the suspect a matter of seconds to realize what's happening. And so, you know, then you say a no-knock warrant, we want a surprise. So then what time, you, type of, time are you going to do that? You can do it in the middle of the night, right? And you think, oh, they're going to be the least likely to resist us. But if you think about it, the middle of the night, what are people doing typically in the middle of the night? Right? They're sleeping. Mm -hmm. And when you get woken up out of sleep, how well do you function and how well do you think? Not great. Right? No, not great. It's like, do you see how we set people up for failure in that situation? Like everybody gets set up for failure. The police officers and the residents of the house get set up for failure. Hey, hey you, yeah, I'm talking to you. Do you have Spotify? If so, turn on the notification button. You can also find the Conversation Beast podcast on Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, RadioPublic.com, Breaker.audio, and Anchor.fm backslash Akila Lynch, spelled A-Q-U-I-L-A-L-I-N-C-H. Thank you for your support. I know your organization, you guys offer um, diversity and anti-bias training. Would you like to address why that type of training is important in policing? The diversity and anti-bias policing training is, um, the way I look at it, it's not, it's not just coming in and saying, hey, you know, we have to understand implicit bias and, you know, we have to realize this. And, you know, we, what we used to train 20 years ago in, in diversity training was, you know, you have high-context people and low-context people, and it's how we interact and communicate and all that kind of stuff. And um, But the it's what we talk about. What I talk about now is it's all really about understanding ourselves. It's, it's understanding, it kind of like going back to what I was talking about with the, um, the OODA loop, the, you know, the Orient, Observe, Decide, and Act. It's understanding how we process information about each other mm-hmm. and about ourselves. So it's, it's how my upbringing, how my experience color the way I view the world. And that's, you know, because we used to think that diversity was we had to teach officers about everybody else, right? How, how can, how can I teach police officers about every member of society that they're going to come in contact with? Well, the better thing is to teach the police officer about themselves. Right. Teach the police officer how they view the world. 
it's like where I, where I worked here in Colorado. There's a community that at the time that I was there was, I think uh, by the census data was like 93% Caucasian or white, right? And then like another 5% Hispanic. And it was like literally like one and a half percent black and like a quarter of a percent, you know, um, Asian or Pacific Islanders, you know, something like that. So you got to look at that. And, and my kids actually have talked about that now that they're all grown up is that how that affected the way that they saw different people. And there's, there's some good and some bad to that because if they had, they had kind of a much more, um, broad based understanding of different um, cultures and different people than many of the other kids they grew up with. And so, but they also didn't develop, um, they didn't develop some negative stereotypes and they did develop a much more openness than many of their friends have, right? For different cultures. Just because they didn't experience, you know, kids living in that community, if nine nine of the ten people you're going to come in contact with are white, then how do you see your world, right? Yeah. And so it's, but the key to it is, especially for police officers, is understanding that if you grew up in a society like that or a community like that, you can't help but see the world a certain way. Mm-hmm. And so, as a police officer, who you know, it's it's a profession where you have to be fairly value driven. It's like you have to have a fairly strong sense of right and wrong and be willing to stand up for things that are sometimes uncomfortable to stand up for. And so if you don't have a strong sense of yourself, you really can't do that. And if you sit there and think that, or or if you look at the world that, well, people need to think the way I think or they're not right, they're not correct, you know? Um, I mean, if, if you look at just like, like religion, right? Okay, we have freedom of religion. Well, is it freedom of religion? Or are we talking about freedom of the Christian religion? Right? Yeah. And and so that's the thing though. We talk about in the in the US freedom of religion. But if you think about how people interpret that, most people interpret that and we see it, they interpret that to be Christian based. Because so supposedly, whereas, supposedly you know, we're a Christian nation, supposedly, yeah. Well, yeah, and and founded on Christian fundamentals. But what do we tell people? We have freedom of religion, but then we don't want, but then we we get upset when um, a Muslim, a Muslim person is is elected to the House of Representatives. Right. Right? Mm. Well, why is that? We have freedom of religion. Isn't she free to practice her religion? Or is she supposed to practice a certain type of religion? And, but, but if we don't understand that we see the world through those kinds of lenses, then we don't understand why we act might act in a stereotypical manner, right? Or why we might act in some sort of kind of inaccurately presumptive manner that she's not doing something right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how is she doing something wrong? Well, it's just because it goes against my sense of value. I know, but is it is it, you know, especially for law enforcement, is it legal or is it illegal? And mm-hmm. if it's legal, just because you don't agree with it, right, there's really nothing for you to do. Yeah, I'm a big proponent on if you work on yourself first and try to, you know, uh, recognize your own flaws and recognize yourself as human, it's easier for you to see other people as human, but you have to work on yourself first. I agree with you there. And, 
And the way I look at it, and I talk, I talk, I say, that's the only person you have to work with. Yeah. Is you. Yeah. It, it, because, because it's like, like I said, I learned quickly. I learned quickly in my career that I can't force anybody to do anything. I mean, and I found that out when I first got into policing and I was literally pointing a gun at a guy and telling him to do something and he wouldn't do it. I was like, well, I can't shoot him. He's not <laughs> listening to me. Yeah. And I was like, man, I even pointing a gun at somebody, I don't have control over them. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was a big, a big eye opener for me to figure out how I needed to have options in order to motivate people or get them to motivate themselves to do what I needed them to do. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I couldn't force them to do it. So I had to, I had to figure out how to get them to be willing to do it. I 100% support policing, good policing and good police officers. Mm-hmm. And I will stand up and I'll fight to the death for you on your behalf. But if you're, if you're a criminal wearing a police uniform, you're my, you, I am your worst enemy because I will do everything I can to get you not only out of policing, but get you, get you prosecuted and get you treated as a criminal you are. When and you, I, and I said, and I have no reservations for that and I make no excuses, no apologies. Thank you so much for your time and patience. I appreciate it. <laughs> sure. Certainly. Right, thank you so much. Sure. Kayla. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of the Conversation Peace Podcast. I am your humble host, Akila, requesting that you join me again. So until then, be safe, love and value yourself so that you can love and value others. I bid you adieu with a greeting. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be with you.